The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 122. The world's most far-flung ATM, a Wells Fargo machine in McMurdo Station, Antarctica, does not charge a fee. And yet Walt Disney World charges $20 to take out money. Ludicrous. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is the person who's always with me when I freak out about money, whether that's because I lose my wallet or I don't want to pay ATM fees, my wife and constant travel companion, Heather. Hey, Heath. Hi, everyone. And I'm really excited, guys, to announce to you that today's episode is sponsored by our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. And if you've listened to this podcast before or you've been on our site, you know that I am a huge fan of Tortuga Backpacks. We have had Fred, the founder of Tortuga Backpacks, on twice on this podcast, actually the only guest, Heth, other than you and kind of the reoccurring co-host, to be on the podcast twice. So we are huge fans of Fred over at Tortuga Backpacks and of the backpacks. I have had a Tortuga backpack myself for the last year and a half. We were counting it up and I think it's been with us to over almost 20 different countries. Yeah, and it's still holding strong. Yeah, so I love my Tortuga backpacks, guys. It's December. If you're looking for Christmas presents and you're looking for a Christmas present for a traveler, I highly recommend the Tortuga backpack. They are the sponsor of today's show. And they what's really cool is they're offering you a special discount as well. And that's one of the things that we worked out with the sponsors. We wanted to make it worthwhile for you as well and be a product that we highly recommend it. So if you want to find out about the special discount that Tortuga backpacks offers, you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash Tortuga. And one of those countries that my Tortuga has been in and is sitting right in front of me now is Indonesia. And Heth, we are recording this podcast in another funny place. We're sitting here in a quote-unquote treehouse in Bali. Yeah, it's more like a bungalow on stilts. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we're here in Bali. It's rainy season, so we've been getting rained on a little bit the last couple of days. But we're in this really neat boutique Ho- it's not a hotel. It's, we have our own villa and it's on the bottom floor is all open, like an open air living room. And then the top floor is our bedroom and it overlooks the pool. Just just a really, really neat place. So once again, recording from Funny Places, we're coming to you today from Bali, Indonesia. And today I'm really excited for the episode because we're going to be talking about money and traveling. Yeah, we get a lot of questions from people about how to use money when we travel. Are you using an ATM card, a credit card, carrying lots of cash? So today we're just going to tell you some of our tips and tricks for how we use cash and money on the road. Yeah, and this we're going to give you 14 rules to follow that we follow. And this came about, as we said, we've gotten a lot of questions from people, but my good buddy, Cubicle Dave, actually sent me a text message this week and said, speaking of, Trav, I have a 
wad of cash I've been saving. What's the best time and place to convert to pesos? Because he's going to Mexico. And I immediately wrote him back. It's like, I'm going to be doing a podcast on this. And then we're going to put up as a post. So I figured I might as well get to it sooner rather than later. So Heth, why don't we start with a few of the things that we don't do. The first three rules are going to be things that we don't do. And sometimes when we give you these lists, we don't do these things because we're lazy or whatever. But in this case, we don't do them because it's practical not to do them. So the first one is we never, ever convert money before we travel. Right. Don't go and take your hard-earned money and convert it at a bank before you go to the country, that is going to get you a very bad exchange rate. So we don't convert money into the countries that we're traveling to before we go. That's just a, a bad idea. The second thing that we don't do is we don't bring a lot of cash on us. We only ever bring about $100 you know, I keep $100 usually in my wallet of US dollars as a backup plan in case everything else that we're going to tell you goes wrong. So you have a little bit of a backup, but we don't carry a lot of cash with us when we're traveling. And that's because for obvious reasons, like if someone stole your wallet, but more likely if Travis loses his wallet, then right. there's not a lot of cash in there. Right. Which is prone to happen. <laughs> And the third thing that we don't do is we never convert money at money changers when we are abroad, like at the airport or a shop on the street. Yeah, or those random things, especially here in Indonesia. There's money changers everywhere. I don't know how all these people stay in business. So those are three things we don't do. We don't convert money before traveling there. We only bring a little bit of cash, so we don't bring a lot of cash, and we never convert money at money changers when we're abroad. So you're probably asking us, okay, well, what the heck do we do then? And what we're going to tell you is if you do those things, it's not the end of the world, but this is what's going to give you the best return on your investment. You're not going to be getting gypped big percentages. So the first thing that we do is make sure that we have a very good bank account at home. Right now, we have the SB1 Federal Credit Union. I believe it's probably only open to people around the Philadelphia area. But what it does is it doesn't charge us per transaction when we're abroad. So a lot of different companies, bank accounts will charge you per transaction. You don't want something like that. If they're going to charge you, make sure they charge you a small fee, a percentage of each transaction, but don't have it charge you per transaction or else you're going to have to take a lot of money out. Our SB1 Federal Credit Union charges us 1%. So that's not bad, but we are looking to change. Yeah. Actually, one of our friends told us and this was a little bit embarrassing because I feel like we're seasoned travelers, but we were in Thailand and in Thailand, they charge you like five six do US six dollars, US dollars in an ATM fee at to take any money out. ATM. And so when we were taking money out, we thought, OK, we'll get a lot of money out because we don't want to be paying six dollars every time. And our friends were like, um, why don't you have a Charles Schwab card, yeah. a bank account? Because if you ever do have to pay an ATM fee for for taking out money, they'll refund the fee. Yeah. So this is the very next thing we're going to do on our list to open a Charles Schwab high yield investor checking account. I don't really even know what that means, except for the fact that I, you know, and we'll link this up in the show notes for you guys, but it has no conversion fee. So when you're taking it out, it's exactly the conversion fee of that day, whatever the regular market is. And as Heather mentioned, they pay your ATM fees when you're at home or abroad. So when they're in Thailand, our friends were taking money out of the ATM 
ATMs. They were getting that $6 back refunded. It's very easy to use. They showed us how to do it. I've done some research. It's the best one out there. So the Charles Schwab High Yield Investor Checking Account. So the first thing you want to do is get a bank account at home that doesn't charge you a ton to take money out of ATMs when you're on the road. Yeah. And so first check the bank account that you actually have. And if it's not good, then just open a second bank account and transfer some money in there. The next thing that we do do, and this is important if you're traveling as a couple, is we have two separate cards for two separate accounts. So for the SB1 Federal Credit Union that we told you about, I have a I have an account and Heather's account. And that way, and we both have a card for our own accounts. That way, if one of our accounts does get hacked or something happens or it gets frozen, we know we have money in Heather's account or my account or vice versa. So, you know, we're just minimizing the risk there. And when we do the Charles Schwab investor account, we'll get one for her and one for me. And it's also a good idea to have two separate ATM cards because I don't know why this always seems to happen to us. Just because we travel so much and we sometimes, our game isn't on right or something, you know? But when we were also in Thailand, I took money out of the ATM with my bank card. And then the next day I was like, where's my ATM card? I have no idea where it went. I must have left it either in the ATM machine or whatever. I mean, it wasn't stolen again. Nobody had used it. But now, so we have Travis's and we wouldn't be able to get money out if we'd only had one card. Yeah. So if you're traveling as a couple or with another person for an extended period of time, make sure you both have separate accounts just in case something goes wrong. On top of that, number six, rule number six here is tag your cards before leaving the country. This is very simple. All you have to do is tell, and this is this goes for the debit cards and the bank accounts that we're talking about. So the Charles Schwab and the SB1, those are all debit cards, bank accounts. This goes for them as well as credit cards, but just call your bank up or your credit card company and just tell them you'll be traveling. Now, a lot of credit cards are starting to say, oh, you don't have to tell us you'll be traveling anymore or whatever. But just for simplicity's sake, just call them up and tell them where you're going to be going because we've had this happen to us where we've gotten to a country and our bank account hasn't let us take money. Yeah, because the thing is, banks have a list of countries that are either high risk or low risk for fraud. And we were in Italy, had no problem, didn't tag our cards before we left. And then we went to Prague, which is still very Western, but I guess has a higher risk for yeah, fraud. Yeah, I guess the Czech Republic and is fraught with fraud. Yeah, <laughs> fraught with fraud. And we couldn't take any money out in Prague and we had to call our bank and, you know, use money the next day. So we went 24 hours without having any cash. So it's, yeah. it's good to just do and, it. And that's why going back to that thing that we do, you know, always have a backup amount of cash. We did have 100 US dollars. If we needed to, we could have changed that a money changer. Again, you're going to get ripped off, but it's just as a backup. The number seven thing, the number seven rule is bring a, fo- a no foreign transaction fee credit card. As you guys know, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I'm a big fan of credit cards to get airline miles. My two favorite credit cards with no foreign transaction fee, actually, I'll give you three, one business and two personal. The Chase Sapphire Preferred, we always use abroad, as well as the Barclays Arrival Card. That's another great card to use abroad. Those are both personal cards. And if you want a business card, the one that I always use is the Chase Inc. Plus. So just get a credit card that does not charge you a foreign transaction fee because you know, a lot of the Amex cards still charge you that 3%. And luckily, a lot of the credit cards are starting to catch on. Chase came in and said, we're not going to charge foreign transaction fees. And a lot of other cards have had to do the follow same. Yeah, they've had to follow or else, you know, people would, especially with travel credit cards, they, they wouldn't be getting them. So a lot of cards don't have foreign transaction fees now, but make sure you have a credit card that doesn't and always bring that with you. I always bring at least two, just in case, again, something happens with one of them. Yeah, it's a good idea. And the next one, number eight, 
Pay with a credit card whenever possible. And of course, this would be to rack up points when you're traveling. Now, this is really easy to do in Europe where basically everyone accepts credit cards. In Asia, it's a very cash-based society, even when we were living in Japan, which is more of a first world country. It's just ca- more cash-based. So you're going to have to use cash. But when you can, use your credit card for the points. Yeah, use your credit card for the points also because then, like we said, you don't have to be carrying around a lot of cash. You don't have to be going to the ATM machine. Um, if you don't have those Charles Schwab account, and like we didn't when we were in Thailand, we had to keep getting money out and getting nickel and dimed. Well, not really nickel and dimed. There's six US dollars to take it out. It was crazy. One of the highest we ever paid. It's just easy. So if you're giving the option, pay with your credit card. And paying your accommodation with a credit card is usually a pretty simple way to use it on your trip. If you're in a society that's more cash-based, you can usually pay online for accommodation. And make sure we did see in Thailand some of the accommodation places would charge you 3% if you pay with your credit card. So make sure you know you don't want to pay if it's going to cost you money. But whenever possible and you're not getting nickeled and dimed or you're not getting any percentages on top, then pay with your credit card. And always pay with the no foreign transaction fee. Number nine... Number nine is not something that I had ever really thought about, but Travis being the more financial savvy spouse. Basically, I hate getting ripped off. So (laughs) I do everything I can as far as research to not get ripped off. So this is maybe something that you also haven't thought about just being a normal average person. I can actually (laughs) tell you the first time I I looked this up to to see if I was getting ripped off or not. So this is number nine. Tell them what it is first. Okay. Pay with a credit card. And if you do, pay with the local currency. So that means if you're in Europe, pay in euros. Don't a lot of restaurants or establishments will say, do you want to pay in euros or your, you know, US dollars because your credit card has that option. I I remember the very first time I knew I saw this was we were in Madrid and we went to this little, you know, regular bar restaurant and the guy came back and he said to me, would you like to pay in euros or would you like to pay in US dollars? And I thought, well, you know, and I asked him, is it the same? And he said, yes. Now, maybe he didn't know. Maybe he was trying to swindle me. I'll give him the I benefit of the doubt. They did give us a free shot of that like caramel lemon cello stuff. <laughs> so I'm sure he wasn't trying to swindle me. But he said, yeah, it's the same. And then, you know, I said, okay, whatever, US dollars. I didn't know. I was paying with my credit card. I said, sure, I'll pay in US dollars. And he, you know, he brought it back and I signed it. And I, I looked at it and I'm like, this doesn't, you know, I always know the currency exchange rate because I'm always doing it in Travis my head. Travis is crazy. He knows the currency exchange rate. He looks at every bill when we go out to a yes. restaurant and converts it in his head or even on the phone just to make sure. Which is sure. why I'm good for this show, at least. Yeah. It might drive Heather crazy, but it's good for the show. It's good for the and listeners. And I looked at it and I'm like, this this scene, it was like nine euros, but it had charged me like 17 US dollars. And I'm like, this seems too high. And I researched it. And what it is, it's called dynamic currency conversion. And what happens is if, if you pay in your regular currency, not the country's local currency, they'll tack on a certain percentage. So even if you're using a card with no foreign transaction fee, so I was using my Chase Sapphire Preferred, it's not the credit card that's tacking it on. It's the establishment that's tacking it on. And usually it's about 3%. So you don't have to know all the ins and outs. But basically, if they say, do you want to pay in US dollars if you're American or Australian dollars if you're Australian, or do you want to pay in our the home current, the local currency, always choose to pay in the local currency. Yeah, that's a really good tip. The other tip, another thing that we do is when we go to ATMs, we don't take a ton of money out of ATMs. And this kind of goes back to the not carrying a lot of cash on us. And that is as 
because Heather mentioned I'm prone to losing my wallet. If you guys have listened to some of the other podcasts, I mentioned Heath about losing my wallet in Paris, didn't I? And you just said, yeah, I think so. We, you know, I, I lost my wallet in Paris. I had a hundred euros in it, a hundred US dollars. That was about the maximum amount I've ever had my wallet. So it was kind of unfortunate. <laughs> An unfortunate time to lose yeah, it, but but we don't carry a ton of money around with us, and that's because we have banks that aren't charging us a lot to take it out. So we would rather go to an ATM more frequently if possible, especially if you have one that you don't have to pay the ATM fees like the Charles Schwab account, rather than have a lot of money on us just because if your wallet gets stolen or if you drop it and lose it, you know, then of course you're, you can't get that money back. And this leads us to our next tip, which is number 11. We split our cash up between us. So if we take out 100 US dollars, in the local currency, we'll split, you know, 50-50 and I'll put some in my wallet and Travis will put some in his. Again, just if we get separated and we need money or if it gets lost or stolen, then we're not at a total loss with our cash. Yeah. And I don't give her all of it because then it might be gone by the next time I see her. She heads into the market. So <laughs> I can be sneaky. Split up your cash between us if you're traveling with another person. Number 12 is it deals with where we keep our wallet and how we safeguard against theft against some countries not going to be that big of an issue. Japan, Switzerland. Yeah, you want to take some precautions, but in the in reality, you're going to be okay. In Japan, you could leave your wallet on a table with like $300 in it and somebody would turn it in. Yeah. To the police. Oh, like, yeah. They would not keep it. No. So, but regardless, you have to be cognizant of what's happening around you. And I know this seems obvious. And, but as soon as you let your guard down, it's easy for someone to take advantage of you. And this is mostly in cases where the, it's a crowded area, like on the train, you know, walking down a busy street in a, in a station, something like that. I always make sure that. I usually carry my wallet in a crossbody bag. And if we're walking through somewhere crowded or if we're pushed onto a train with like a hundred other people crammed in, I kind of put my hand on the top of my purse just so that I would be aware if anyone, you know, tried to dig in around in there. And we've, we've known people who have just been sitting on a train and their purse was on top of their suitcase and somebody stole their wallet right out and they weren't even, you know. Yeah, or we were traveling with Adele and some guy, you know, this is in Paris where it's notorious for pickpockets, sidled up right next to her, you know, was like coughing on her hands on the train. So like to distract her and she looked at her bag when she got off and it was unzippered and someone had gone into her purse grabbed her wallet right out of it. And I mean, that was with her standing right there. So they're super sneaky uh, in, in a lot of countries, these pickpockets. I mean, that's, you know, I hate to say it's their career. I guess it's their <laughs> profession. They're very good at it. So just be cognizant. For me with my wallet, usually when I'm at home, I have it in my back pocket. But when I'm traveling, I don't like to keep it there just because, you know, if we're in crowds and things like that. So I'll either move it to my front pocket or more likely what I usually do is if we're carrying around our little travel bag with us, then, you know, our little travel backpack, I will put it in an actual zipper pocket on the inside. So for someone to go in and get that, it would be very, very hard. I mean, they have to zipper open my backpack, right, find right, the right. pocket, basically impossible. So just be careful where you're holding your money and where you're keeping your money. And be aware of your surroundings. Again, you know, on the trains or also if it's just a really touristy spot, like where were we? Was it the Sistine Chapel or it was some, you know, places, the Louvre, places that they know a lot of tourists will be at is a very high risk for pickpocketing. Sure, sure. Number 13 is always be aware of the currency rates 
and look at the money. You know, this is sounds dumb, right? I mean, in Europe, not that hard. You're like, oh, one euro is like a dollar fifty or something like that. But when you get to some of these countries, you know, it becomes much more difficult. A lot of the Southeast Asian countries, what well, Malaysia is like three to one. The Thai bot is like 30, 30 to, to one. one. But here in Indonesia, it's 12,000 to one. So what 12, I mean is- 12,000. <laughs> that's a lot of zeros. So to one US dollar. So when you're paying someone $10 worth, it's 120,000. So you're you're dealing in like millions of dollars or yeah, millions like if you of get, rupee, I should say. If you say. get a million rupee out of the ATM, it's only 80 US dollars. Right. So and it's it's really hard. And I actually even created a little cheat sheet on a note on my iPhone because, you know, we're just out at the market and we're trying to negotiate or even if I'm, you know, wanting to buy lunch in a nicer restaurant, I have to think about what the money is. So I made a little cheat sheet like 50,000 rupiah is four US dollars and 100,000 rupiah is eight US. You know, and I just kind of did that so that I could quickly think in bigger numbers. Yeah, for sure. You definitely want to do that you want to be aware of the currency rate and that's really easy to do if you have a smartphone because you can just download an app any currency conversion rate i use one called converter there's also xe currency conversion you can just put in all the different currencies and you know it'll give you that day's rate if you have the internet but also make sure as we, you're looking at the money we've done this a few times where we've and luckily the people have been have been really nice about it but the one time, you know, we were supposed to give someone 10,000 rupiah and instead I gave them 100,000 and I didn't, you know, there's so many zeros there. Like you're looking at the money, you give it to them. And you're not used to seeing the money. It's not like, in, you know, if you're- I'm colorblind. So the color <laughs> doesn't help me one bit. I can't even tell what anything is. Yeah. So make sure you're looking at it. Take your time, especially when you're in markets and things like that and you're negotiating. And this happens to us is we're negotiating the price. And we get them down to where we think, oh, 35,000 rupiah, which is uh, in essence three bucks. And then we're pulling out like 50,000 and thinking it's 5,000 and handing them like seven of them. And they're looking at us like, dude, you know, you're giving us like 10 times too much money. So take a second. Don't stress out. I have to tell myself this. Count the zeros. Literally, I count the zeros sometimes and just think about what that is. Yeah. And it, I mean, it may seem pretty obvious, but... If you're thinking about this, then you can keep your budget on a better track. You know what I mean? Like if you're not thinking about how much 10,000 rupiah actually is, then you pay for things. And then at the end of the day, you might add it all up and think, wow, I actually paid more than I thought I was paying. Yeah. And that's that's a good point. And one other thing I guess we could add in here as a sub one is start. If you're going to be somewhere for a decent amount of time, try to start thinking in the local currency because it does help you relatively to when you go out like, oh, that's 10,000 rupiah. Okay, that's cheap. Oh, that's 100,000 rupiah. That's more expensive. It makes it a little easier than always trying to convert over and over and over again if you're going to be somewhere for an extended period of time. If not, no worries. I should mention, even as obsessive as I am, when we landed in Thailand the first time, what I do? I took out 1,000 baht and in essence, 1,000 baht, you have to divide that by 30. 30, right. And so it was really, now I'm even struggling to do that. $30. It was, it was like $30. <laughs> I thought I was getting out $300. And remember, in Thailand, the, it's six US dollars to take it out of an ATM. So I got it out and then I paid the cabbie to get us there 150 And I thought, wait, I took out 1,000. I paid him 150 I only took out $30, yeah. not 300 So sometimes you just make mistakes and I'm a freak about it. And even I make mistakes, so. 
It can happen to anyone, Trav. Number 14. And this is kind of a fun one that we just figured out. Not just figured out, but just something that we've been working on over the last couple of months. And that's when you are negotiating or paying a bribe, which does happen. Be ready and don't flash a lot of your cash. So if you're negotiating with someone to buy, well, Hath, you negotiate a lot in the market. Yeah, because I, I like to shop or buy goods. And, you know, usually when we're negotiating, good tip is if they say a number, cut it in half. We should do a podcast on negotiating. And we probably will. Um, cut it in half and just be aware of what you want your final price to be. Like the other day, I wanted to buy this dress in a Balinese market. And, you know, she wanted a really high price for it. And I cut it in half. And she wasn't really wanting to negotiate that much with me. And I really only wanted to pay um, the equivalent of 16 US dollars was like my top price, which was kind of expensive for a dress in Bali. And she was wanting me to pay 20 US dollars. And I almost like went for it because 20 US dollars in in Bali, oh, Rupiah that would have made is, my you blood know, boil. 240,000. I don't know. We can't do like the that. math on our, in our head. All I knew is that I only wanted to pay 200,000 rupiah for this dress. And, you know, she was really not budging. And I finally was like, okay, I'm just going to walk away. I just, I don't care because I don't want to pay more than this, even though it's $4 more. It, like, who cares? Anyway, so I said, and I showed her that I only had 200,000, even though I had more in my wallet. Like I had this in my pocket and she was finally like, okay, just fine. Yeah. you. That's how you want it. Even today, Heather got a poncho that they wanted us to pay 35,000 rupiah, which is $3. We only wanted to pay 30,000. I know it sounds like we're insane. We're haggling over 50 cents here. But, <laughs> well, you know, Travis well, is yeah. insane. Uh, yeah. Um, but the point was we, we, we only had 30,000 and we said like we only have 30,000. So if you're negotiating, also we have learned in Indonesia, you know, in, if you don't have an Indonesian motorcycle license, it's technically Ill illegal to rent a motor scooter and drive it around. Now, they don't care, but what they will do is they will make you pay them, pay the police officers. And what we've been told is to keep 50,000, a 50,000 rupiah bill in our pocket. And 50,000 rupiah is in essence four US dollars. Now, uh, our driver told us to keep 20,000 in, but everyone else is say that's not going to get the trick done. So we've kept $50,000 in our pocket. And if they pull us over, you just give it to them and you hand it to them. And they said, never pull out your wallet. Keep that in your pocket so you can give it to them. They'll let you go right away. But if you pull out your wallet, they're going to see you have a lot of money. They're going to want you to pay a lot more. And we heard a story of a guy paying 600,000 rupiah. Which is, is. <laughs> yeah, which is in essence $50 versus uh, paying $4. So when you're negotiating or bribing or what have you, be a little prepared if you know you're going into that situation so you only have that amount right on you. You can give it to them. Don't bust out your wallet and be throwing around cash. I'm like, oh, I only have 30000 And then they see in your wallet, you have like a million rupees. So that's our number 14 tip. Negotiate. If you're going to negotiate or pay a bribe, be ready. Don't flash yeah, a lot of cash. Become cool and collected. Yeah, know like, your money. Know your conversions. Yeah, like we always are. So uh, <laughs> yeah, not right. really. Let's now go, let's have, let's run through these one more time for people just to give them an overview of our kind of our fourteen rules for carrying money, converting money, everything money when you travel. Okay, the recap starts with what we don't do. Number one, we never convert money before traveling. Number two, we never bring a lot of cash with us as we're getting on the plane and going to the country. We only bring about 100 US dollars as a backup fund. Number three, we never convert money at money changers when we land, when we're abroad. Unless it's an emergency. 
But hopefully you follow these other rules and you don't have to do that. So number four, make sure you get a really good bank account at home that charges you a small or or no fee to, for taking money out of an ATM. And the one that we recommend and that we'll be getting very shortly as soon as we can sign up for it and get the card sent to us is the Charles Schwab High Yield Investor Checking Account, which again, we'll link in the show notes, com slash pods. You can find that. So if you can't remember it, We'll link that up, the exact one that we're going to be getting. Right. And along with that, I don't know if we said this, but it's probably obvious. We then take money out of the ATM when we land. Right. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if you're I mean, confused at how that we have money, yeah, we don't change. We have our backup cash. So our process is we have the backup cash of $100. We show up in the country. We use our ATM card to take money because it only charges us 1%. Yeah. And, and when we get the Charles Schwab, it'll charge us zero and pay the ATM fee back. Yeah. Every airport has ATMs and most train stations have them too. Right. Number five, two separate cards for two separate bank accounts. So that's two different ATM cards if you're traveling with someone else. Yep. Number six, tag your ATM and credit cards before leaving the country so that your account doesn't get frozen like it did with us in the Czech Republic and then you're left high and dry. Number seven, bring a no foreign transaction fee credit card, such as the Chase Sapphire Preferred, the Chase Inc. Plus, which is the business card. Yep, or the Barclays Arrival. Those are our three favorites. Number eight, Pay with those credit cards whenever possible because you're going to be racking up points and it's just a lot easier than having to go to ATMs, even if you do have a good account that pays your ATM fees back. Number nine, pay with a credit card and do it with the local currency. Right. Never say, I want to pay in US dollars, Australian dollars, or whatever your home currency is. Do it in the local currency, Thai baht, Indonesian rupiah, et cetera, et cetera. Number 10, we don't take a lot of money out at the ATMs. That is because we are prone to losing our wallet. If you are very good, very organized, maybe you want to take a little more out, but we usually only take out about 100 to $200 maximum at one time because we're afraid just of seems, having that money on us. Yeah. And I mean, not just for, for our own ineptness at losing things, but in case it gets stolen as well. So number 11, we split our cash up between us. Number 12, make sure you're keeping your wallet or purse in a safe spot when you're traveling. Heather keeps a hand on her purse. I always keep my wallet you know, in a zipper pocket in my backpack or at least in my front pocket of my pants. Number 13, always be aware of the currency rates and look at the money and think about it. Yeah, that that hey. Yeah, make sure you're not giving them 10 <laughs> 100,000 rupee when you should be giving them 10,000 rupee. And Heather created, we should include in there number 13, Heather created a cheat sheet. So maybe you just want to make a little note on your thing or make sure you get a currency app. Number 14, if you're going to be negotiating in a market or you know you might have to pay a bribe at some point, be ready, have the money there in your pocket or only have a certain amount in wherever you're going to pull it out from. Don't flash a lot of cash. All right. That about sums it up. Yeah. Real quickly. We'll s- one last thing. I'm just going to go through our quick process. Seth. For anyone who's still doesn't know, <laughs> basically what we do, when possible, use a credit card abroad. Make sure it has no foreign transaction fee. Make sure you get a good bank account at home. We're going to get the Charles Schwab one. Um, you can do it online. You don't have to live near a bank. That's one thing I didn't mention before. And then always make sure you carry about $100 as a backup plan, but basically don't convert money at money changers or at banks at home unless you absolutely have to. So basically, Cubicle Dave, you have $300 US to spend in Mexico. What should you do, Travis? Cubicle Dave 
what you should do is you should put that in a bank before you go <laughs> that doesn't charge you ATM fees when you're abroad. If you don't have time to open that up, then make sure you bring your, um, I know you got the Chase Sapphire Preferred, buddy, because I told you to get it and you did get it. So make sure you bring that and use that whenever possible. So there you guys have it. Those are our tips and tricks for carrying money and converting money when you travel. Everything we talked about will be linked up in the show notes, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You can get it there. If you guys have not seen the new website redesign, what the heck are you waiting for? We finally got it out after 10 months. Go check it out. Yeah. And if you have any other tips and tricks that we didn't mention here, please let us know in the show notes. Yeah. Drop them in the comments. Comments. Drop them. Yeah. Show notes. The com- Well, we do the show notes. <laughs> they do the comments on the show notes. Um, and don't forget, guys, today's episode was sponsored by our friends at Tortuga Backpacks. I absolutely love my Tortuga backpack. It is the backpack of choice that I've been using for the last year and a half. Perfect because it's carry-on size, has a laptop sleeve. I really love it. So if you want to get a discount on it, if you want to get a present for a traveler, maybe even yourself for Christmas, treat yourself to a Tortuga backpack. You can find all the information and discount code and everything like that. Extrapackofpeanuts.com slash Tortuga. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for making us the number one radio travel podcast on iTunes. And we are signing off from our little treehouse bungalow in Bali. Until next time. Happy happy free free travels. travels.